Hey, you're listening to Starting a Record Label. It's a podcast about uh, it's about me starting a record label. Yeah, yeah, I know that's probably getting a little old by now, but uh, still funny to me. I don't know. Uh, how's it going for everybody? I know, probably same old, same old. We're not going to talk about that crap this week. Uh, we're going to talk about my friend Jesse Pennington, who was in an awesome emo rock band in the early 2000s called Pennington. I know for me it's a little bit crazy out here. I know it's crazy for you. We're not going to talk about that stuff that we always talk about. I'm going to ignore that crap right now and uh, move on to this week's guest. He's a good friend of mine uh, from college, Jesse Pennington. He was in a emo rock band back then that I mixed and uh, was great. These days, though, he is, I'm going to read from his LinkedIn page, an entrepreneur, HubSpot power user, front-end developer, inbound sales, and marketing expert. I think he's a business and marketing guru. He uh, he knows what the crap he's doing. And so I really want to get people that aren't going to sugarcoat this. Um, usually good friends will do that for you. And so I kind of want to know what might work, what might not any of the marketing aspects or business aspects that he could see into, uh, maybe flush out any of the core ideas or ideals. He's a great dude. And, uh, oh yeah, if you want to hear about five seconds of his band, here you go. This is a letter for you And I pray that it would find you Before it's much too late So quick and safe that, that record almost got thrown away. I actually, like, they weren't going to get it done or get it mixed. Uh, I don't know whoever was producing it maybe didn't have the time to mix it. Uh, so I actually volunteered, and the rest of the band loved the mix I did. So now, this is a long time ago, and I really wish I had the original tracks because I'm, like, oh, a little cringing it at some of those mix things. Like, oh, man, I could have done a lot better. <laughs> but that was, you know, when I was learning. But I got one more thing before we start the interview here. If you guys could subscribe and share an episode that you like, that would be extremely helpful to the podcast. Uh, Just go ahead, wherever you're listening to, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, no matter what, it's freaking everywhere. So if you could do that for me, subscribe and share an episode that you like, that'd be awesome and super helpful. But without further ado, Jesse Pennington. First of all, thank you very much. It's amazing to hear your voice. Yeah, it's been Um, a long time. I know. It's kind of stupid that we haven't talked until now when I really think about it. Because I obviously, because I'm just an idiot and I I can't help myself. I started listening to you, more of you, like your podcast to like catch up. So I'm not like a total moron coming into this thing. <laughs> and uh, I'm listening to stuff and I'm just like, oh my God, I agree with Joss on like 95% of everything he says. Why have I not talked to him sooner? <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> I feel so cringy after I, I do it. And that's why I want to do more interviews because I'm like, oh gosh, right. like I, I try to like write all my stuff out and how I feel and then like flow with it a little bit. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so, right. so cringeworthy. Like, but you know, at the same time, the whole thing is just, this whole thing is just making me forcing me to do this. Cause I've been talking about it for years, you know? Right. So like full disclosure, I kind of thought you already were like, to be honest, like I figured like, okay, Josh is like doing the gig in like the music industry, which like, dude, you've done awesome stuff. I mean, the fact that you work with Jerry Finn, like I'll love you forever. Like that's just <laughs> amazing to me. Uh, and I'm just, anyway, I never got to meet him. That he was definitely one of the dudes on the bucket list for sure. I mean, he's basically responsible for pop punk period. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's so weird though cuz I never actually worked with him, worked with him. Like I right. I actually like, you know, the name of the studio that he had worked and done some of the Green Day stuff at and some other things was in a book somewhere and I was like, "You know what? I'm going to see when I was in Indiana. I was right. like, "You know what? I want to try to try this LA thing." And so uh, I I had a studio there and it was right. not going well. And so I was like, all right, well, you know, hey, maybe my wife will be willing to do this. And she was 100% like, yeah, let's move to Los Angeles. So, and it was really weird because she's not like that at all. And I found the studio That's and I was amazing. like, hey, I'll just, you know, I'll hit the studio up. And they're like, yeah, we're looking to hire people. And they literally just hired. It was like one, two, three, four, five, like just a wide open road all the way to here. So it was kind of weird. Right. And uh, the first like the, like the first week I was so here, cool. like he's. He he literally like learned my name on purpose. Like he asked the other runners because we were we were runners. We were nothing. Like we got coffee and we were told don't talk to people. Like Britney Spears is here. Right. Don't talk to her. Like don't make eye contact. Oh my god, that happened to me too. Like I because I I've, like I visited a couple studios in LA like at certain times, 
And I'll never forget one where I was literally sitting outside of one studio because Tony Braxton was in there and she was really unhappy about something. Uh-huh. And I had to sit in the dude's car for like an hour and a half. I won't say his <laughs> name. He's a really nice guy. But I literally was outside the studio in like an SUV with the car running for like an hour and a half because there was like something going on. And then it was like whenever it ended, it was like, OK, like, let's uh, let's go get lunch. <laughs> oh, seriously. It's so weird. <laughs> I got a yeah. lot of stories like that. Probably shouldn't be talking to talking about them on the podcast. No, but like, oh my! I gosh. was very incognito with my story, <laughs> and I'm sure Tony Braxton is a lovely, lovely uh, woman. <laughs> oh man! Well, either way, yeah, I did. I did recording stuff for a long time when I was here, and then towards the end of it, like. Uh, it kind of became like I did free, freelance is like making a lot more money. Like, so, uh, Hey man, if not freelance is where it's uh, at, if not, you're kind of getting screwed around by studios or whoever else. And so like, yeah, I was actually, there was like, I, there was a point where I was like six months behind in like me getting paid. Ooh. And so I was like, I'll do freelance. And so I did freelance for a long time and I started working with like YouTube kids and right. oh my gosh, like after a while, it just like, it, it like started, I don't know, hurting. <laughs> Just, just not working with like good artists or not not working on anything fun. Like what I kind of came out to be like when I met Jerry Finn when I was here and like right. the stuff that I wanted to do originally. And I was just, I'm like, you know, what? I'm I'm sick of this crap. I'm done with all this other stuff, and I'm gonna move forward in this. And so I started that this podcast, long you know, long rant. But uh, and I was like, you know, I gotta get people on to talk about you know what what I'm gonna do in the future. And so I, I was like, hey, yeah. you know, I know Jesse does some stuff with like uh, like digital media and and working with the, you know. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's just crazy. So I, I wanted to get you on. It's like, you know, here's here's a couple of like some friends from, from college. I want to see what they're doing too. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I I haven't, I mean, full disclosure for like people that don't know me, it's like I haven't even, I, music was like my whole life, like 15, 10 years ago. I haven't really been involved with it for a while now, other than like, you're always a musician, you're always recording and you have half-baked songs somewhere like sitting on your hard drive. Oh, like, yeah. That's been about the extent of it for probably about 10 years. And so... Like, it's interesting to me now because I'm just like, okay, I'm going to come on, like, talk to Josh and, like, I'm kind of up to speed a little bit on, like, what you're doing now. And I'm just like, okay, like, I'm applying all the business principles that I've learned that, like, I wish I knew when I was, like, in my early 20s. And, yes. I, like, that's how that's how I was able to, like, just start writing. Like, okay, well, then if I'm doing a label, like, then you should probably approach it this way. And it's no different than, like, a lot of businesses and the way that it goes now. And I think, like, the main conclusion for me is just it's never been a better time to be an artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, the internet is the great equalizer. It's it's there and it's literally like a limit of like your attitude and your vision are like the two things holding you back the most of mm-hmm. like everything. I mean, I believe that. I just because the tools are there, yeah. right? I mean, this is <laughs> I mean, this is why like I never sign NDAs with people anymore mm-hmm. because I'm like my my theory on humans is that I could tell you my best idea and I am 99% sure that like, A, you're going to do nothing about it. B, even if you did, I'll outwork you and and C, you're just not going to do it probably. Yeah. Like you're just, you'll, or you'll do something else you're more passionate about. Because I mean, there's most people like, there's plenty of ideas out there. There's not a lot of people like putting it into action. Yes. And I think that's, that's really the segue for like, you know, you're looking for like, okay, like how do I build this label? What are the right artists? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like man, like start with somebody who's already doing it, yeah. you know, who's out there. It's, you know, in some way, it's really weird because like before this podcast, I had another podcast. I started like a year and a half ago called like a band's life. And I was like, you know what? I want to find the bands yeah. out there that are actually doing a good job of this. And like, no one would talk to me like, and no one was doing like <laughs> anything. In fact, I got pushed right. back from most bands. They didn't want to do anything online. They didn't want to do video at all. They didn't even want to do Ugh. like Patreon. So I'm like, what do you expect to do? And like, do you expect to sell CDs still? Like, I don't understand. Mm. Like, where do you think this money is going to come from? Like, you have to be able to right. market yourself. Like, it's just weird. Like, so I was like, hey, you know, might as well start doing it myself. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a great point because there was I, one of your podcasts. You're talking with like uh, Vince and Rod, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think it was Vince that was saying something about the song having no value and like how do we bring value back to the song and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like my personal opinion, like just, just as me, like people can take it or leave it. Like no one's gonna pay for a song; it's been completely devalued. Yeah, you're never gonna make money on a song unless you're just like using the old models and. Radio st- some radio stations pay. I mean, re- anything old, like it's all gone for the most part. Like I just think, but here's the flip side of that, right? 
What's never been devalued about a song to me is that it's the greatest marketing tool, weapon, whatever ever created Mm -hmm. because it literally imprints on you. Like I can listen to Foo Fighters Everlong, tell you exactly where I was in my blue show Taurus. I was a dishwasher at Panera Bread. I had a crush on some girl named Kathy. I think I played a show a week before that. Like I remember that and I can almost feel it when I listen to that song. Oh yeah. And so that's the point is like, listen, you're not gonna make money on your music, but it is like the ultimate marketing tool. And if anyone imprints on your song, you have them and you can engage with them in a million other ways. And there's plenty of opportunities after that to monetize and productize and do all that stuff. That's just my theory on it. And if you're playing out shows, I mean, the simplest, easiest, smallest thing you could do is have a mailing list. And 99% oh of these gosh. bands don't even have freaking mailing lists. That's like so 2010. I know. Too. So like this is, but I think, but I think the fact that you know this is great, right? Like you're just as like a band. Or, or a company or a product, anybody. You have to have your target, they call it your target buyer persona now. There's a there's a lady named Adele Ravella who has the Buyer Persona Institute. And it's essentially like a fancy way of saying like target market. Yeah. But now it's like personalized. And it's just like create your ideal customer. Like who are they? What's their age range? Mm-hmm. What's their background? What happened in their history? Do they have kids? What kind of job do they have? What are like famous quotes that this person would say? Yeah. What kind of music did they grow up listening to? Like you go through all this, right? It's like an exercise. Mm-hmm. So you need to do that as a label for the people you want. And the lab- and and then the artists need to do that for the people they want to connect with. Yeah. And I know, and, and Rod mentioned this. I, I've heard this for a while and I believe in it wholeheartedly. The thousand fan rule, like it's real. Yeah. There are 7 billion freaking people on the planet. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that you can't hustle on something you're passionate about with all the tools at your disposal and find a thousand people on the internet that are willing to spend a hundred dollars on your art in one calendar year. Yeah. That is a very attainable goal mm. in my mind. So I just, you know, if you're approaching it from that perspective, then then it becomes a lot easier because then it's very niche focused. You're now trying to make a thousand people happy. So what songs you put on the album are going to be different and how you want to brand yourself or whatever. You, people get caught up in like, well, what if people don't like it? It's like people won't like it, like guaranteed. Oh, yeah, like, don't worry about tons it. Tons of people that are not going to like it, but you want to find the people that do <laughs> not like, dude, you could have the cringiest, like you could have like William Hung esque music. And <laughs> but he has fans. It. Exactly. He has fans. Like that doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like perception is reality. It's, it doesn't matter. Like just let that go. Like, you cannot, you, someone could not be able to sing, like physically not hold the tune. And I bet they could still find a thousand people that like think they're funny or, you know, do something different. Like that has to be possible at some level mm-hmm. if you're putting any kind of work into it. And like getting into the marketing stuff, it's extremely tactical now. I mean, you're not paying for clicks anymore like you were on Google. You're paying per lead at this point. Yeah. Like on Facebook, I can pick. The people I want to target, their age range, their jobs, their history, their education, their geographics. I can, and I can do it for like 500 bucks and get it in front of them. And it, it, there's analytics on it. Like anybody can figure this out. It's possible. And, like it's out there. And then like, once you've done it for a little while, you can actually be like, Hey, uh, the people that I normally search for, Hey, how about you try to do for that, that for me for cheaper, you know, like with the look, right. with the lookalike stuff. And it's just like. These like nobody goes that far, especially with, like with right. ba- bands or artists. And I know it's like a, it's probably more like an artist, you know, kind of mentality to where they're like, I'm just want to make my art kind of deal. Right. And and I know that then we also have on the other side the business people that were like, I want to do the business, and I, you can't have both <laughs> nowadays. You kind of have to be the person at least at the very beginning that does both. Yeah, I mean, like, so the business. I'm not a businessman. I'm an artist, right? Like, so that's a huge like cliche red flag whatever in oh, the yeah. industry so like so like with like an artist that would like have that opinion like i would always be like okay like chill out like let's take a step back forget the word business mm-hmm. okay are you passionate about what you're doing mm-hmm. do you believe in your art okay okay good let's start there because if you do then you'll want to talk about it you'll want to spend an extra 30 minutes to like figure out what that chorus should be and maybe you could just like tweak it a little bit better mm-hmm. like these things all become possible if you just start with like passion 
and the basics and then and then making sure you have a structure in place to actually take action and take action at a pace that's comfortable for you. Everybody has a different pace. That's the biggest problem I learned with like the entrepreneur stuff. There's a million like Tony Robbins and all this stuff out there. And it's like, if you're not like Tony Robbins and like jumping in an ice bath in the morning and like <laughs> freaking out and pumping iron and then like chugging caffeine, and then a Red Bull and then a vodka and then let's go. Like you don't have to be that persona. You can still make a lot of money. You can still be an entrepreneur. Like there's still all kinds of ways to approach it. And so that's what I would tell an artist. Like, listen, you can actually be surprised. Like you can do the business piece of it that you're like, is so like, whatever, but you, it's, it's definitely something that's there. Like you just have to be true to yourself. Mm. And I say that to business owners all the time. Cause I'll talk, like I'll have like friends and people I know, like own their own businesses and stuff. We'll talk about whatever. And I'll just be like, I'll always have like, I'll remind them. And I remind myself too, like, I'm not perfect at this, but I'm just like, if you're not constructing your business to be the perfect environment for what you want a business to be and you own it, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, how has your business gotten away from it? Like, you own it. Like, you made this. Like, go be an employee. There's a million people out there that would be happy to, to tell you what their vision is and pay you to, to go with their vision. Like, you took all the risk as an artist, as a business owner, as a label, as a whatever. You took all the risk to do this. So, I mean, why wouldn't you be crafting that to fit the vision of what you want, mm -hmm. you know? And people lose sight of that. And I, and I like I get it. Like it happens. Like you get an operation, stuff happens, you lose sight of things. That's normal. Like that's not crazy. But still, it's worth noting. Absolutely. So I mean So that was a rant. I don't no, know. No, no, dude, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know where that went. <laughs> no, that's perfect, man. Um, what do you think about video today and 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 bands? Like, do you think that's like a cringy thing for them to be to do? Uh no. No? No, well, here's what I'll tell you. Like, let's, it's, there's an aesthetic and there's an opinion on this, but let's just talk about data for a minute. Sure. Okay. Video has, I think, like three or four times the engagement of an image. Mm -hmm. And you always hear the age old saying, like, uh, I think an image is worth a thousand words. Mm -hmm. Well, then, like, a video is worth a thousand pictures. Like, it's, it engages people more. It gets their attention more. And nowadays it's harder than ever because people are flying through the stream. So, just as a tactical, strategic, common sense approach if you care about your art or your business and you want people to see it then you would obviously want to employ the tools that will be most effective in today's environment so video is by far and away by any statistical measure crushing images flyers email marketing text blogs forget it mm -hmm. like you could just do email or video excuse me you could just do like video and there's data to support that'll probably be more effective than like a couple of those things combined if you do some of those other things. Not that you can't do them or that they're not effective. I'm not just saying don't do anything. But I'm to your point about is it worth it? I'm like, well, I mean, do you want to use the most effective tools or don't you? Mm -hmm. Do you? And that's why I go back to like, let's start with your passion. Are you passionate about your art? Do you want to get it in front of people? Do you want to find your people? Well, they they need help to find you. So why wouldn't you use the most the best tools out there to do that. And video is just one of them. Yeah. I think right now, um, I listen to some other podcasts. In fact, I'm going to have uh, Scott Orr from other record labels. He does like a podcast about other record labels where he talks to people that are in, you know, huge record labels. And so, nice. and the common thing I just keep hearing is, is just same old, same old stuff from record labels. I feel like they haven't kind of advanced into this video aspect or in right. the future. Like I don't, I don't understand how they can continue to do that because that's what my whole idea is. How about we treat this as more of like, uh, like on YouTube, you'd have like a multi-channel network. Like I know those are kind of bad in a way. <laughs> it can be bad, but like, well, you know, yeah, you every time YouTube updates their uh, their guides, what do they say? Like another like six-figure person just became poor again. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, they're just no warning. Exactly, I mean, it's just the reality. It's the gig economy. Like people can talk about how amazing it is, but at the same time, it's the gig economy. There is zero safety net. If they change something, you're sorry oh absolutely <laughs> so like i want to get get video involved in this and have them not only just like making music once a year you know have different points of interest for everybody and different places of uh, different touch places for so many different ways to kind of to funnel all these people in and right i don't know i don't think record labels think that far at all yeah i mean 
It, it, it depends. I mean, there is, and I'm, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit, so whatever, but I mean, there is something to be said for going where your customers are at, mm-hmm. right? Like, so if you happen to, if you have identified your core customer, you know, for the artist, their core persona, whatever, and you find that they're not engaging with video, then the customer always wins. Then maybe don't do video, go where they're at, use whatever platform they're on. Like if you're going out for preteens, like you should be on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't care about preteens, then don't worry about it. Like, yeah, TikTok's blowing up. Great. But I mean, if your customer is not there, then who cares? Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing now is like the best thing I can tell anybody is like, just be niche focused. Like you, there are so many tools to that all do the same thing. Now mm. there's a million plus, you know, this is like a studio guy, right? There's a thousand plugins that all do the same thing. Yeah. I can do the same stuff with Slate apps, with Waves, with Isotope, with whatever. Like, I can just pull them all in and do whatever. Like, like Chris Lord Algae made his own, and I think his brother Tom's doing them now. Like, you can do whatever. But at the end of the day, you have to find what works for you. You have to build your tech stack. You you go with what works, with what you're confident with. And then you build your business on that. And then you give yourself opportunities to iterate over time. But you do it in a structured way. So, like, for your label, like, that's what I would say is, like, for the video, you want them to do video. Okay, so the question then becomes, okay, well, how do you want them to do it? What channel do you want to use or not use? Do you want to be super flexible that you can go on any platform depending on where the customer is? Do you want it to be more cookie cutter? Obviously, more cookie cutter could be effective to a point and also cost effective. At the same time, you know, it might also limit you in terms of like growth, but you could do that in tiers. I mean, Artists could be working their way up. You know, there could be an initial tier. There could be a next tier. There's different ways that you can kind of structure it. Mm. Yeah, but you have to kind of figure out what you want those things to be. I always just go to, like, what are really valuable things? It's all value. Everything's value at the end of the day. Are you providing value or aren't you? If you're providing value and it takes you five minutes, then don't overcomplicate it. It's valuable. Yeah. Provide it and charge a fair price for it, even if it takes you five minutes. If it takes you five hours... That costs you more in time. Time is your most valuable asset. So use it wisely. But if that five hours is well spent over the five minutes, then go with that. But it's a calculation. It goes back to building your tech stack, figuring out how you want to do it. You kind of have to like figure out what your do's and don'ts are, what your general structure is going to be. You always want to leave room to grow and like you're going to learn things as you go. You're going to be like, oh, we thought that was a good idea, but it wasn't fine. Mm-hmm. But you at least have to you want to find that for your artist because they're going to ask you like, okay, what, what, like, what do I get Josh? But what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. How does it work? You know? Yeah. And they're not going to read a 10 page contract. Oh no. So, so, it, <laughs> you know, I mean, we don't read 10 page, people don't read 10 page contacts like in normal business half the time. And you just, you're lucky if they're 10 pages, but I mean, an artist is especially not going to a lot of times. Yeah. Well, heck, sometimes they don't even get it looked at. Like, oh, I didn't know that this was in the contract. Like, dude, you signed it. You you should look at it. <laughs> well, and, and it's just like, again, I think it's the type of person. Like, I think there are artists and people that will read the contract and will care about it and will thoughtfully engage with you. Mm-hmm. Like, those are the people you want to engage with. Like, you have to, saying no is just as important as saying Yes. And so you could meet a really nice person or a really talented person, but if they're the kind of person that's going to say, oh, I didn't know that was in there, whatever, then you just quickly, like, nope, like, wish you all the best, happy to talk to you, mm-hmm. you're not a fit for this label. Like, you have to be, you have to be protective of that, too. Yeah. Because, I mean, how, I mean, how many artists are you going to really be able to do starting out or even at once? Oh, I'm only doing one at the beginning here. Uh, maybe, you know, well, there you go. hopefully in the future, you know, you'd move up to like, you know, three to 10 on a label. And I've seen some labels that have like 30 people. I'm like, how do you even, how do you work right. that? Like, that's ridiculous. I mean, either it's a total shit show <laughs> or it's like really systemized and processed and they know what they're doing and they have a set thing that they do for every artist and then they iterate from there yeah i mean that would it would be one of the two would be my guess so whatever you can do now to prepare for that or whatever you can do now in the label to kind of you know figure out what those things are um that's you know because you have to figure out what you want to do too yeah it goes back to the point of like building the label that you want to build you're so passionate about it you really want connection. You really want to develop someone. You want to do it the right way. But you have to also protect yourself and make sure that that time isn't wasted. 
and that you like say, okay, like even if I love this person, whatever, like the, we're starting out with a single and that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's a single. Yep. We'll do, we'll have X amount of sessions. We'll work on a single. We'll get it worked out. If that works great. I'm same thing. Like I'm, I'm in web development. That's like my background, what our business does. We do a lot of web development on a platform called HubSpot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I mean, I'll even get people on the phone that'll just be like, hey, we want to talk to you because we want to get on a retainer like now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Awesome. That's great for sales. But a lot of times I'll just be like, Hey, if you want to do a project, you know, to start out, to make sure that it's a good relationship and a good fit for both of us, like we're fine with that. I don't need a retainer today, even if you're offering it to me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's counterintuitive to sales. I mean, some sales guys be like, no, just sell it no matter what. But you know, (laughs) you have to protect your brand too. Yeah. You have to protect your business and make sure that, you know, long-term that's going to work out. So I don't know. That's, no, nah. that's, that's just how I see it. it. <laughs> that's beautiful, dude. Uh, I was going to start setting up like an LLC like a month ago. Here in Cal- mm-hmm. here in California, it's it's worse because in California you got to pay eight hundred dollars a year minimum for taxes, Oof. and so like just to set up an LLC, it's eight hundred dollars a year. Over here in Ohio, buddy, the first uh, first quarter millions tax free. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, I, I I don't know. You probably have heard this, but it's probably worth saying, you know, you can always register your business in another state and then have a registered agent in that state and pay taxes in that state. Ooh, I did not know that. Yeah. Now, I, California is going to be really savvy about, I, I don't know if there's something that exists that would prevent that. And I'm, I'm not familiar with California law, but I do know that there's a reason that most corporations incorporate in like Delaware and Nevada because they have yeah. the most friendly corporate tax laws. And so that's why like you would be shocked, but like a lot of people that you would think are like known being in a certain area, their incorporation paperwork's actually like over Delaware. Yeah, I, I've noticed that online. I didn't know I know everybody talks crap about that. <laughs> so it's like uh, people are, you know, all what? their businesses are over there and they must be evil <laughs> corporations. Oh my god. Like yeah, I, I don't even have time for that. I'm just like, that's cool. Like, like <laughs> like have fun and grow up like cool <laughs> like do what you're gonna do man i mean what i would say is this goes back to my point like and i and i love to say this to to some people i'm just like you know you can you could probably figure any of this out in less time than it takes to binge watch stranger things season two like you know there's a lot of things that you can do right and it's like comes back to the same thing it's like you can figure a lot of this stuff out if like youtube has every like anything you want to know is out there you know, and you can figure it out in less time than it takes to binge watch, you know, Tiger King season one. Yeah. Or whatever. You know, not that I'm against streaming. I can be super lazy and watch stuff. Like, I'm not saying I don't do that. I'm currently stuck here quarantined and, like, waste my time in Grand Theft Auto Online at this point because I don't know what else to do. Hmm. But, like, you know, it, there there's a time and place for everything, right? And it's just, it's out there, you know? So I just don't buy the... People can find stuff out if they really want. That's why I just go back to passion. You know, just go back to the passion for it. If you really want to do it, you know, the right person for your label, they're already going to be wanting to do this. They're going to have questions about it. They're going to be doing it at some level. Like, that's probably your ideal artist would be my guest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the only thing that I'm going to have, I know I'm going to have a problem dealing with, if, it's, if I go after artists that are already doing something similar to this, the question is... Like, what what can I do, right? That would help them to give them give give me a portion of their income, you know? Right. And I mean, obviously, like I'm a producer, I'm a recording engineer, I'm a video editor. Like, I have a lot of things under my belt. But a lot right. of people nowadays can do a lot of those things. Maybe not as well. Like, I've been mixing for you know twenty something years. So right. But I know that it's going to be a hard sell. It, it could be a hard sell, but it doesn't have to be. And it just depends. I mean, this is just, this is just like, here's my best like elevator pitch on this, mm-hmm. right? You're in a service-based industry. The number one thing, I'm in a service-based industry. The number one thing that you sell in a service-based industry essentially is your time. And you're basically saving someone else time by selling your expertise of not just getting a job done well, but getting it done faster than it would take them to figure it out to do it. Yeah. That at its core principle is the value proposition. And if you just, you know, we talked about, you know, productization and like, what are the things that you would want to do? You know, what, are we going to do a single? Are we going to do an EP? Are we going to 
have like a small video package? Is it going to include a website? Mm-hmm. Are we going to productize and, you know, develop different things that we can monetize your songs? Because we talked about like songs, you know, really inherently aren't valuable. Nobody wants to pay for it. But if a song like touches me or really imprints on me, I might buy a vinyl of it. Even if I don't own a record player, I might just still buy the vinyl so I can hang it on my wall. Yep. And I'm saying this as someone who literally bought Death Cab for Cutie's latest album on vinyl, and I don't own a record player, so I'm totally guilty of that. Uh, dude, but I have a I ton just, of records I haven't even opened yet. So <laughs> I just love them, and they offered a package to get like a deluxe whatever for their new album, and I'm also getting older, and my favorite bands are like breaking up or whatever, so the few that are left that are still making music, that's like super valuable to me, mm, right? right? So I'm like, I'm going to buy the most expensive possible thing that they come out with when they release an album just because that's what matters to me. Like if you can tap into that, because I think that exists period across all generations, Mm -hmm. it looks different with different tools and technology and genres or whatever, but it really does span it all. And I would just say, if you can just tap into that and that can be kind of the litmus test, you can make money and monetize this stuff. And especially if you're niche focused and you, I mean, like I said, you know, if you, you do the thousand fan thing, and you got a hundred grand of revenue coming in or somewhere in there. I mean, that's a pretty good living for having fun and making music and just doing art. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, some people talked about, you know, when we, when, where we went to school with a big band that came from that school was Jars of Clay. And I remember <laughs> like, and I remember hearing about them making like a measly amount of money from their record deal per year. Right. And it was just, right. it blew my mind. It's like, dude, they're a platinum artist. Like why on earth are they not making that much money? Like, right. It, it's crazy to me that bands and artists don't do. I know that Chance the Rapper is another person that does stuff like that, where like he's got his own t- marketing team. He's got his, he's got his whole like, thing that what he does. I'm sure he's making so much more money than what a normal artist that's even signed makes. Right. Yeah. Well, because the, I mean, the record label model from the beginning was always anti-artist i mean it was essentially here's a really crappy loan that you would never get in any other industry Mm -hmm. that you're probably never going to pay back and we're probably not going to i mean the only benefit is they probably won't make you pay it back other than you're going to suffer and not be able to write music for five years for anyone else or something like that where they shelve your album and then you're stuck and then you literally can't be creative for five years i don't know maybe that's worse than being stuck with a debt I mean, if you got a big enough uh, advance, I mean, that's exactly what they were trying to do. The whole the whole idea was, you know, if we get a, a big enough advance, then, you know, giving up all the rest of this crap is is OK. Because, man, the, the <laughs> amount of wastefulness that I saw coming out of like record labels, it was insane. And they were just paying for stupid crap. And all that stuff goes on your tab. So, like. You'll never pay that right. back. You just—they'll figure out like forever how to how to get you know just itemize everything. Like, oh, I'm sorry, we you bought gum at the Seven Eleven on you know April second, you know. Right. Yeah. Yet that goes on your loan. You just didn't even know you had it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like student loans. Yeah. <laughs> this is also true. Someone in student. <laughs> but yeah, they. Uh, anyway, I don't know. I, I just you know, again, like I think if you if it's just guerrilla marketing. And you get just entrepreneurial about it. That's really the focus. Like I wish I would have known like in my earlier 20s because I would have been not as preoccupied with labels, not as preoccupied with, you know, everyone living out their fantasy of like that thing you do or something where like it's like that's not going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. It's just not. I mean, especially not today, but I mean, it wasn't even going to happen back then to anybody. I mean, we've all been there. We've all had our dreams and whatever. and, And that's fine. That's part of life. But like you also it's just like it doesn't need to be that and you can be really happy. Yeah. You you can find, you know, you you'd be surprised how much happiness you can get by just controlling your time even if you're not making like super rich money. Money's not everything. I mean, there's a reason rich people like are really depressed. Yeah. You know, and and, and I get like that's a a whole nother topic and a whole nother thing and there's privilege and all that stuff that goes into that and I I get that and I don't, I don't want to get into all that. I'm just saying like there, there's more to it than that. And I think that if, you know, if the label and the artists are focused on just, you know, being happy and making art that excites them and there's value, you're providing value to them, you're saving them time, stuff that they could figure out on their own that you can be totally open about. Like, listen, I'm not going to offer you anything that you couldn't do yourself given enough time and energy and whatever. However, what I am offering you is to accelerate your timeline 
teach you stuff faster. Like, I mean, everybody, like, as, as much as I can say, hey, there's a YouTube video, you can figure that out. If you're, if you can call your friend up and they can tell you in five seconds, whatever it is you're looking for, and you don't have to watch a 10 minute YouTube video or have like 10 of them to like find the right answer, mm-hmm. like there's value in that. I mean, picking up marketing books in general, like four or five years ago, like I, we drove from here back home to Indiana and we did this, we did these giant road trips every year. And so every year I get like two or three, like. Uh, business marketing books and just go through them and go through them like while we're driving and like I, right. I even do like I do some side gigs jobs when my mixing isn't paying enough and whatnot and I'll just you know I'm just listening listening to these these marketing aspects and like I don't know like there's even ones that are tailored for musicians now like mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a one called Indiepreneur or something uh, I've seen I feel like I've seen that and I I I listened to some of the stuff and I was like, these guys are good. They're taking all these marketing aspects, business aspects that you would need to know in like a regular business class and putting it into people that are musicians like people that would right. could use this. Like, I know that's, that's one of the things like digging through this information and like, how can this help me? Cause there's a lot of stuff that's not going to help me. So I'm right. like, how, what, what's, what's for me? So, I mean, it's out there. I mean, it's, it's pretty cheap. Some of these things. So it's just, oh, yeah. you know, getting off and listen, getting off your rear end and listening to it. Yeah. I mean, and then, but, and then the next step after you listen to it and you've absorbed all this stuff and there's a million things out there and a million pieces of advice and a million tools and everybody wants to sell you their do it all software for just 20 bucks a month. (laughs) Yeah. But there's 10 of them. Like, so at some point you have to, you have to take a step back, trust your gut and be like, okay, we're going to, we're going to go with this. We're going to go with this. We're going to do this. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. We're going to table it. We're going to, we'll be open to it later. We'll put it on the shelf. We'll do a phase two. We do it with websites all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like the biggest people way people lose like money in technology, software, websites, whatever is scope creep. And it's like the, the, like the refrain that has to always be is like being so super clear up front communication wise. This is exactly what we're doing. This is exactly what's included. My favorite line in a contract ever, and feel free to steal it, but it has saved me from so many headaches. It's just my favorite thing ever. It says, anything not specifically outlined herein should be uh, should be assumed as out of scope of this project and not included. Nice. So that one line in your general statement at the top and like the like, hey, here's the like the core of the contract. These are the general agreements before you get into like the specifics of what you're actually going to do. Like if I didn't specifically line item it out in here, you should assume it's not included Mm -hmm. and it's right there. And I'm telling you that up front so that when we're looking at the contract, you can say, hey, but I really wanted that. And I can go, oh, yeah, let's put that in. No problem. I'm going to write something specific for that because I want you to be happy. I want you to get what you want. I want you to have value and I want to charge a fair price for it. And I want all that to work beautifully. And you have to just be extra diligent about communicating that up front. Yeah. And if you can do that, you save on all the scope creep later. But then if the scope stuff happens, it's an opportunity because you you now clearly defined that this is out of scope. So it's not as uncomfortable as a conversation. Mm-hmm. And you can go, I would love to do that for you. Would you like to pay extra for it? Or would you like to finish the project we're working on now? We can put it in a phase two. And when you're ready down the road, we can maybe add a few more things to that. And we can we can do an iteration and we can we can improve upon it or add to it down the road. But let's get the first project done and not get lost in the weeds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's one of the reasons this I'm kind of doing this podcast as well is when I start to find artists, I'm going to have artists on the podcast at the beginning to find out who that I want to, to sign uh, and slowly walk through this thing and talk over it several different times so that we right. know, and it's on record saying like, what do we really want? I know. And I know that eventually we're going to have to have an actual contract, but right. I mean, at least at that point we've talked through it so many times that we're like, we know, Okay, this is probably the the scope of the project and what what's going to be included is pretty obvious, you know. <laughs> right. Well, I mean everybody wants a good recording, right? I mean that's always the barrier oh, yeah. to entry. Everybody just wants a good recording, they want to define their sound. Um 
everybody does, even hobbyists at home, even I do, we all do. Like even even now, it's like I don't want to sound like I did ten years ago. How do I tweak this? I just don't have time to sit. You know, I can't take two months off and work on my tone anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's no there's no more summer breaks for me <laughs> to figure that out between semesters. <laughs> no, dude, it's so weird. I just got done. I'm, I'm friends with these guys, the Dares. They were on like another podcast. They actually got signed to Jive, and they were kind of mm-hmm. they were kind of shelved because Jive wanted them. They were there's this whole thing up in the air that that they wanted them to be like a Jonas Brothers band and they weren't that <laughs> and so it's right. kind of a, a weird thing but uh we just did uh i think two or three songs and i think 90 percent of it was in their practice space and it nice. sounds really good compared to like even the one we did at a really nice studio in hollywood where it's like that's kind of weird i mean i just spent like 3500 dollars on recording you know eight songs in hollywood or i you know i could spend like 500 dollars and do it all in your studio space it's just so weird yeah i mean when the vibe is right the vibe is right i mean the technology is all the same unless you're using a neve console i mean outside of that i mean everything else is digitized so yeah i mean even with those <laughs> neve know? consoles you got 500 series things now you can drag along with you they're like oh this is a recording think channel from a neve like oh well all right <laughs> there, you, there you go yeah, I, I can't keep up with it anymore. Yeah, I, I, I can't keep up I, with it. There's so many new plugins and crap where I'm like, what? That does that? Like, what the crap? <laughs> yeah, I will I will in a, in a nerd out, slight geek out moment say that I'm kind of obsessed with Isotope's um, uh, machine learning mm-hmm. uh, auto mixers right now. That's scary. And just... <laughs> It, it is i i haven't it hasn't worked for i've only i've only admittedly tried it in like one demo in my free time but like i am salivating at what it potentially could do especially for somebody like me who's like i i'm like i can set aside time but it's like i'm not gonna slave over this for eight hours like i'm just not gonna do it mm. like this i just can't like i want to and maybe one day i will and i'll set the time the time aside for it when you know i'm gonna enjoy it and do it but i mean and this goes back to the point like I bought their plugins because they would save me time. Yeah. I could have bought a hundred other plugins, maybe better plugins, whatever. But what they offered at the end of the day with the mix assistant and the fact that the plugins communicate to each other was that they just saved me a lot of time. Yeah. And I looked at it and I go, wow, that could be a really big benefit. So I just keep coming back to that. Like, I know it's like beating a dead horse, but I'm just like, that's the biggest value you're going to offer any of these artists. Like, look, I've been through it. I know all the ins and outs. I, I know what sucks in terms of like the relationship and like what's bad for your career of things that I've seen. You know, I want to support you. The music, I mean, I would, al- I mean, this, I'm just spitballing, but like I would almost just be like, hey, look, you own all your music. Like, so don't worry about it. But we need to productize stuff around it. We need to productize you know, t-shirts, art, frame lyrics, contests, vinyl, you know, we do personalized messages. You could do um, custom songs for people. There could be, I mean, obviously Patreon is amazing. Like everyone should be using Patreon. It's like, if you care at all, like it's the easiest way to get people to subscribe and support your art, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) like, I don't understand why people don't want to do it if, if they're doing it, you know, like, I mean, even if you're doing it as a hobby, like, why wouldn't you want to do it? Because again, I just, I come back to like, I don't care what you sound like, what music you're into, what genre, even if it's freaking weird, like I guarantee there's like, there's a few hundred people at least out there that will think it's awesome. Yeah. And you can actually reach them right now. You, you could not do that when you and I were in college. No. I mean, like, MySpace <laughs> was, like, the only thing that was somewhat helpful for artists. <laughs> we all know what happened to MySpace. Exactly. So. I mean, my friend Chris Wallace was in the White Tie Affair, and uh, he got hot. He got big on MySpace, but that, you know, but that, that's yeah. kind of, that whole thing has kind of died. I don't know if they tried to put a gate in front of it on purpose, you know, with the Facebook thing, not wanting to kind of promote music or what it was, but I don't know. So, I mean, tell me where you're at with this. Like, I mean... You, I know you picked the band. I knew it was not today, Robot. Can you believe that? Like, because I'd seen you put it up before, and then I saw that one poster. You're like your label name, and I was like, I bet it's not today, Robot, and it totally was. So I was just like, I was like, sweet. I'm paying attention somewhere in my brain. <laughs> I got well. I had that like a few years ago, and I think I, in one of the podcasts I explained like the whole the creep on to me of like this whole the way that the industry works is just this giant machine that just kind of chomps through artists and it chomps through like songs to where like some songs have like 20 writers on them and you listen to it and you're like this is a really simple song like and even one of my friends like he has had a publishing uh 
a thing and he he kept playing me four or five different versions of a song and i'm like they're all good why can't you just right. choose one you know like like no we gotta find the best one the one that's you know, it's just such a weird like robot machine and so like after a while i kind of chose that name and i know and it died for a long time because obviously i hadn't done anything for the label and I kind of right. I was rethinking about it. Like, no, it's great, and it's. I'll tell you why it's great. It's not it, like the names. The name's fine, but it's the brand story, and the fact that the brand story completely aligns with your personal experience in a way that's deep and visceral that connects to what you're trying to build, even if you can't even put it into words yet. Mm-hmm. That it absolutely that has to be your brand, no matter what it is. At the end of the day, like so, you've done that. Like, so like, it's not, it's like a no brainer in that sense. Yeah. I mean, right now, beyond that, uh, I'm just really, I'm looking for artists now. Like as of this like week, I'm just, I'm going through band camps and going through things and just seeing what other people are doing, seeing if there's artists that are actually putting some stuff out there. Uh, and and saving money. I mean, that's the only other thing. Yeah. Like I know in one of my podcasts uh, earlier, I talked about you know I would figure about a year is going to be about sixteen grand, like spent mm-hmm. spent on an artist ish, depending on you know what works. Because I know that a lot of artists are like, we want vinyl, and I'm like, I love vinyl too, but if no one's going to purchase it, I'm not making it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I would just. I would I would kind of do the numbers. I would go in tears and I would try to be like, what can I do that doesn't cost me anything but time or mm-hmm. a very small amount of money that has an enormous value, you know, and then and then how do we go up from there and just really systemize and productize that piece of it because that work is going to so pay off. Yes. When you get into those conversations and it's it's very apparent when you like we I deal with marketing agencies all the time and I'm not a marketing agency. I, I got out of that specifically cuz in my particular business uh it was a there was a niche problem focus where uh there were certain service or there was nobody there to service specifically technology and web development on this particular platform. They mm-hmm. were always wrapped up in marketing agencies and so I was I kind of was like, you know what? Like you can't get to anybody that like knows this stuff like I do at an, unless you're like on a retainer at an agency. So it just kind of made sense, you know? And then the only other option was like overseas for like 10 bucks an hour. And like, there's all kinds of issues with that. You kind of get what you pay for. So, and, and I had people telling me that I was wrong. Like, huh. no, you should be an agency. You should sign up for the program. It's, you know, it's only two, uh, two or three grand to start and you get commissions and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, I understand that. But the second I do that, I'm now competing with other marketing agencies. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to be a marketing agency. So there is a sense of like you have to you have to own your story and just kind of define it. And look, if it makes sense on paper, if the numbers make sense and whatever, and you can provide value and you can you can express it quickly, you know, your elevator pitch or whatever, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. I definitely got to work on that a little bit. Uh, um, the major, one of the major things that, and the differences that I wanted to kind of bring to it was doing a lot more social media aspect and finding finding you know their fans where their fans are at. So uh, right. uh, a lot of YouTube, you know, a lot a lot of, of anything podcasts if they you know if they like things or things that could be interested, in, you know, just try to get out there and see what what works as opposed to you know just putting out music and trying to market just the music to people like there needs to be more that uh because way back when like we would we would try to find you know information about bands and it's just there's nothing there i mean that's why this mtv all the mtv crap started coming out and they're like oh stuff in like looking into people's lives and into bands like that's interesting you know i just don't I, i don't understand why bands don't do that more often you know Right. Well, I mean, you can you can set that up so that whoever's working with you has that, mm-hmm. and you can be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go through this workshop, and we're gonna answer these questions, and we're gonna take guesses, and we're gonna figure out who your ideal people are, and then once we have that, we're gonna take the single that we have, and we're gonna release it in these places, and and only these places. We're not gonna do extra whatever. Like we're gonna, it's gonna be like this is just how we're gonna do it, and then we're gonna get feedback. You know, whatever the good platforms are for feedback, there's like SoundCloud and everything else out there, mm-hmm. you know, and then we're going to iterate on that feedback, you know, before we make an album, we're going to, we're going to do that. You know, you just have to, it's kind of amazing, right? Like I see this all the time. A lot of times if you just sit down and put it on paper and then put a logo on it, you can then say, I have a session or I have a workshop or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if it's actually valuable and you've kind of like done the work to organize it, like you've now created a curriculum. Like that's not crazy. Like yeah. that can absolutely happen. <laughs> it's truth. Well, I mean, even I was even thinking of maybe like 
having some of the aspect of the writing being part of the social media to where they're like, hey, we're writing songs, like give, fe- giving feedback for those songs and getting the getting the people that are watching interested and like, oh, I like that one or I don't like that one. So it'll give us an idea of, right. you know, if we were to, because I, I really think this is kind of more of single based nowadays. So like maybe putting out like a really well recorded song once a month or right. depending on how often we can, maybe once a week, it all depends. Uh, but uh, doing that in succession and then, you know, maybe putting them together as an album or working towards an album later i don't know there's just a lot of different aspects that i'm you know i'm kind of going over and seeing you know what could work plus you know what what they would be interested in yeah i mean you just have to find your true north you know you like you what you and somebody said this to me a while ago and I, i never forgot it with business stuff you never invest in products you never invest in business um you invest in people period mm-hmm. Like you're, you're at the end of the day, you're investing in a person. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if their product's amazing. You're investing in the person. If there's something not connecting with that person, cause there's really, there's no like right and wrong. Like people just want different things, whatever, that's fine. But if it's not connecting, you get the best idea in the world. It will fail. Yeah. Or it will fail for you and, or that partnership will fail like that. So for you, I would just say, you know, fine. You know, you, and I know you have it. Like I even just listening to the few of the podcasts, like you already kind of know you know, and I'm sure you've probably written it down or whatever, but I mean, you just have to find those people first. Mm-hmm. And then once you have those people, then you want to document and go through that process. But I wouldn't do any of that stuff prior to knowing that you want to invest in that person. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe find, well, you find said the artist it, first and then try to Well, tailor. you said it earlier. You're like, part, I, I don't know how you want to do this, but like, I know you said earlier, like you wanted to have like the potential artists like on the podcast mm-hmm. and you want to interview them and that's kind of part of the onboarding process or part of the vetting process or whatever. Yeah. Like that's the stuff I wouldn't be worried about like documenting and marketing because yeah. I mean, the worst thing you want to do is like start marketing something that doesn't exist. I mean, because then you just become, you end up becoming a reality show about something else and not the product or the artist or whatever. And you could totally lose sight of the vision. Oh, that's true. That's just my guess. Now it, it may be a great thing. I mean, some of the best mistakes, like stuff like that, like I, I try to, you know, Life is a lot of gray for me if I've learned anything. Like, there's not a lot of black and white if I've learned anything as, like, getting older. Like, it's just anything can – a lot of things can be true. Mm. Um, You just have to find what works for you, you know? And for you, like, I can just tell, like, everything from the brand name to everything, you you want that connection. You just – you really want to invest in a person or two, somebody who's talented. But, I mean, the talent is almost secondary to – having you know somebody who has the right spirit the right attitude the right vision who's at some level hungry for it even if they're not tactically doing it that you can like meet up at that right moment that would just be my that's just kind of like my guess like Mm. just kind of feeling it out in the small amount of time that i've spent talking to you about it cool yeah one of the big things about like finding that right artist is like i don't care if maybe they're not so good with this right now or so good even with their with their music in general. Like if there's something there that I know that can be worked with, like I'd rather right. choose an artist that's like gung ho about this, that may not be the best artist on earth that we can work with rather than choosing one. That's a really great artist, but it's going to be like, you know, really crappy to work with, with any of this kind of social media, anything like that. Right. You've already been there. Like you've already done that. Yeah. Right. Like you've already worked with people that are talented, that drove you nuts or people that weren't talented, that drove you nuts, which is like the worst. Yeah. Oh, seriously. <laughs> like, like, so, I mean, you've kind of already been there and it just goes back to my earlier point. Like don't build, don't, don't build anything, but what exactly what you want. You're taking all the risk. You're building this business. It takes enormous energy to create this thing, let alone to make it profitable. Yeah. And like, so if you're doing it, like anything that's just, and that's why it's good to like write some of this stuff down. Like, like I'm never going to do this. This is what not today robot stands for. You already know this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm sure you've probably written some of it down. Oh, dude, if you I have Google would... Drive's full of crap. <laughs> so, okay, just... <laughs> well, good. Then you're. I, I figured you did. I just. That's just. That's just. That's what I would do. That's kind of what I tell other people to do. It's what I've been told to do, um, and it's never failed me. Nice. Well, I appreciate that, man. I mean, I'm. I appreciate everything. I appreciate you coming on the podcast, even. Uh, and just sure no I, I thanks for having me i i'm quarantined you know i'm i'm just thinking like i'm surprised my kids haven't like broken a door down or hit me with a lightsaber at this point <laughs> i got we got cut off earlier and like in the middle of it i was like screaming at the other room like hey guys you got me quiet you know 
Oh, yeah, but. it's a, it's quite an affair these days. But uh, it's great to talk to you. Great to hear from you. Yeah. I wish you all the best with uh, the label. I'll be watching. And uh, yeah, anytime. Don't be a stranger. 